I'm a be, I'm a be, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a be, I'm a be, I'm a be, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a be, I'm a be, I'm a be, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a be, I'm a be, 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 I'm a, I'm a be, I'm a be, 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 I'm a, I'm a be, I'm a be, 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 I'm a, I'm a be. You guys don't ever know what to expect around here, do you? <laughs> Got a little rap going. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. How many of you know God is all about what He's already made you to be in Christ? I I hate to say this, but the vast majority of Christianity has not yet gotten the revelation of the finished work of Jesus Christ. They've not yet grasped the very simple New Testament biblical revelation of what we call the new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now, you know, we quote that and we go, Okay, thank you, Jesus, that you've saved me and I've got a fresh start. I've got a new beginning. I've, I've turned over a new leaf. You know, I'm, I'm on a new path. And we have all of these nice little analogies, these metaphors that we liken that to. And I think somewhere along the way, the, the real awareness of what we're talking about when we say new creation had really has not yet dawned on us. Jesus Christ hung on the cross of Calvary for us and died a heinous death. If you've never seen Mel Gibson's The Passion of Christ, I think just... For conscience sake, because of what Jesus did for you, everybody should sit through it once. It's extremely violent. It is to the point that when I sat and watched it, I was just going, okay, enough already. How many of you have seen the movie? Raise your hand. Most of you in here have seen the movie. And, and you felt that same thing with me because he was beaten and whipped and bruised and spat upon and crowned with thorns and whipped again and, and tried three times and before Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. And he was taken to the cross and carried his own cross for a while until uh, the siren came behind him and picked up the cross and carried it. And then Jesus was nailed to that cross and then he was dropped down into a hole on Golgotha. I've been to that place in Israel, in Jerusalem, the place of the skull. Looks like literally the two caves that have been dug out that look like, and it's not been dug out, just a natural rock formation. It literally looks like a skull, the side of that place where they believe that Jesus was crucified. It's called Golgotha, the place of the skull. In that place, Jesus Christ hung upon the cross, the just suffering for the unjust, the righteous for the unrighteous, the innocent for the guilty. He became sin for us. He was the sin sacrifice. He was the sin bearer. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now I stand before Him not on my righteous deeds because they're worthless. My righteousness is worthless. This is never about anything I could do. It's everything about what He's already done. It is a finished work. He hung on the cross and He cried the words to Tetelestai, which literally means it is paid for in full. It is finished. It is accomplished. Would probably be the very best translation of that word. It's accomplished. It's done. It's all paid for. It is finished. And he was taken down from the cross. He was laid in the, the ground. And on the third day, he rose again. And he ascended 
to the right hand of the majesty on high, where he, the Bible says he ever lives now to make intercession. He took his blood into the holiest of all and he poured it out in that place on the holy ark of the covenant in the heavenlies and there made the propitiation for your sins. And every sin committed by every creature, every person on the planet, he became the savior for the whole world. My sins are gone. My chains are gone. I've been set free. By God my Savior, He ransomed me. It's by His blood this morning that we stand accepted in the Beloved. So, what is this incongruence in my life then? If this work is finished, if it's done, then why do I still struggle in this particular area of my life? You as well as I know that when you got up from the altar, when you left the prayer line, when you made your fresh start, when you confessed Christ, when you said, Jesus, be Lord of my life, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's more than merely uttering words. Anybody can read black letters off of white paper in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3 and we can say, we can utter the words, but it's something deeper than there when it says no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't just mean no man can utter those words, but it means say and have the work of that moving in your life that has brought transformation and has brought change. Now the thing that we struggle with, Alex kicked this series off last Sunday, And I want to bring a little bit more clarity to it because some of you, I think, might be wondering, okay, what exactly are we saying with this seriously series? We're we're, we're trying to bring to you the awareness of the importance of congruence in your life. Congruence is a geometrical term. We think about congruent lines that are parallel or congruent shapes that can be laid over one over the other. They're identical. If there is congruence that is moving in me, then I'm... Walking according to the will of God, my lip matches my life. My talk and my walk are congruent. They're in agreement. The literal meaning of the word congruent means harmony or agreement. And so when there's agreement between me, my life, and the will of God, there is nothing that can hold back the windows of heaven from opening and dumping blessings down upon me. That is not just material things. That's the peace of God. That's the joy of the Lord. That's strength to fulfill the destiny and the dream that God has birthed in me uniquely and inside you and for us together. It is all of those things and much, 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 much more. But congruence is something that is so critical because we all see incongruence in our lives. I'm not going to mention a name. He's a good friend of mine. This guy is a master bodybuilder. He has a 54-inch chest and a 30-inch waist. Wings, literally. His lats, when he spreads it out and he does his posing. I mean, he looks like a superhero. Friend of mine here, here in town. And he eats right. He eats eight meals a day, little 300-calorie meals, packed with protein. Dude's totally natural, never done steroids. He's been doing this since he was in his teens. Other day, I saw him. He's at the gym and he's coming out and he lights up a cigarette. And I'm not going to say his name because he's a good friend of mine. But I just asked him, I said, I'm just going to call him Mark. That's not his name, but just for the sake of the illustration, we'll call him Mark. Mark, dude, I don't, I don't, what, what's up, man? 
you know, you, you, you train incessantly and you, you make your body come in line with a particular goal or a dream that you have. You, you, you make us all ashamed to even be in the gym at the same time with you because he's just, he looks like a, a, a god, like a Greek god. And then he eats so clean. He describes his diet for me. And then he, he's, he's got this body of a god and he eats like you're supposed to, like we're all supposed to, putting good fuel into the tank. But then he goes out and lights up a camel or a Winston or something. I don't know. And I just said, dude, help me here. I, there's, how do you reconcile this inconsistency? And I said, I'm not trying to be condemning. I don't mean that at all whatsoever. I don't think, I think, I don't think folks who are struggling with that are going to hell. We're past that ridiculous, hyper-Pentecostal stupidity. I think you ought to break the habit just for your health. Are you hearing me this morning? I, I don't think that anything ought to, to, to grip us. Now, just those of you who might be struggling with a nicotine ad, uh, habit, let me just tell you what my struggle is. My struggle is C6H1206. You know what that is? Sucre. Sugar. That is my drug of choice. <laughs> Especially if it comes in dark chocolate. <laughs> so, let me just tell you right now, I have no condemnation for my brothers who do this because you're probably skinnier than I am and I hate you for it. Your issue is there. Mine is here. Inconsistencies. Now, I'm just, I'm deliberately trying to be humorous. I want you to laugh. I want you to know that I have to laugh at myself. I, I'm, I'm going to be 50 years old. That's a Saturday Night Live skit. That just came up. I don't know where that stuff comes from. 50, 50 years old. I'm going to be 50 years old this year. And do you know what? I, I told my wife the other day, I said, you know, honey, I really feel like I've finally gotten comfortable in my skin. She said, well, thank God it's about time. <laughs> you know, I just am who I am, and I'm thankful to God that in the midst of the mess, I am not what I used to be. I know that I'm not yet what I'm going to be, but I'm, I'm, I'm in this place between the now and the not yet, but I'm thankful that he's not stopped working on me. Come on, somebody. My, my life verse is found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it. He will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 6. He started it. He is the author. Everybody say he's the author. And he's the finisher of our faith. We look unto Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12 says. Now, so what are we talking about? We're talking about seriously you know, we, 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 have, we, we claim to be Christians, and then yet there are issues in every one of our lives. Come on, let's get real this morning. Don't even look at me in that kind of tone of voice, because everybody in the room still has something that hasn't quite been fully fixed yet. And the rest of you, I'll meet all the liars after church this morning. <laughs> all right, how many of you know what I'm talking about? He's still... But now, what do you mean? You just said a moment ago that it's finished. Yes, I want to tell you, in Christ... In eternity, he sees us blameless and faultless before the Father. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself this morning, 
but I, I, I've got some exciting and I believe extremely practical notes in this message that I want to bring to you today that I am cranked up about. Everybody look at never say, he's pretty cranked about this. I want to tell you why we face this issue of incongruence. Why are these inconsistencies? Why do we have the charge by unbelievers leveled at us that Christians are hypocrites? Hupo, hypodermic needle, hypo, hypocrite is another word, the word I'm using in the English, but it's hupo. It's, 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 we get the English prefix hypo, like that goes under the skin. Hypo, a dermic needle, is a, is a needle that goes under. Hupo is under. Crites is the criteria. It is, it is the regulated standard that's set according to the word and the law of God. When we are hypocrites, we are hypocrites. We are coming under the regulated standard of God. There is an inconsistency. There is a, a 54-inch chest and a 30-inch waist and lighting up a cigarette. Now, that's, that's a dramatic illustration there. But there are issues that every one of us face. Maybe it's not something that is a heinous kind of an outward sin. Maybe it's not an addictive pattern of behavior. Maybe you have anger issues. Maybe there's some folks who have a little road rage in the room. I've been run over by a couple of times by some cars with a fish on the back and gotten the Hawaiian beloved bird of paradise from folks who had a fish on the back of Dakar. And I'm just pulling away from the thing going, Lord, help them help their rage and their malice and anger and bitterness and wrath in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Why do we have these inconsistencies? Why is it that when I got saved and I know so many things got transformed immediately and yet God seemed to leave a few things left undid yet? How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right, I want you to get this. I want you to recognize this morning some very simple principles. Number one, the very first principle that I have for you is that man is a three-part being. Everybody say this with me. Man is a three-part being. Now, we would all say it if I would ask you before the notes went up, you would probably say it this way. Most people say it in this order. Body, soul, and spirit. That's correct in the sense of naming all three, but it's not the biblical order that you find it in. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, we are spirit, soul, and body. Everybody say, spirit, soul, and body. I think it's critical that you get them in that order because it's important that you recognize we should be spirit conscious before we are body conscious. Because this is just the suit that gives us the ability to conduct business on this planet. This is our earth suit. You have to have one of these to have expression. If you don't, then you're a disembodied spirit somewhere and they're looking for you on Ghost Whisperer. <laughs> or Supernatural or any of those ridiculous shows that Hollywood seems to be so absorbed in but yet doesn't have the flip side positive because there is a very real spiritual dimension in the spirit world out there and it's not just a bunch of monsters and boogie bears and some good-looking vampires. Yeah, I saw the movie. I sure do. I was dragged to it. I didn't want to go. I'm teasing. The third one's coming out, I believe, in a month, I think. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, that, you know what that for, was for? That was for uh, maybe one or two religious people who might be here, so we'll run them off and they won't be back next Sunday. 
because I don't, I don't want religiosity. I want people to know that church is all about being real, and it's about even having a little bit of fun along the way. Can I have an amen? If you would put the scripture up for me, everybody say spirit, soul, and body. Now, I want you to get this out of, um, I believe the, the verse that's up here is the message translation. Hang on for a moment. I'm going to read from the ESV first, the English Standard Version. The Bible says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Everybody say completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Everybody say, he will do it. Now, let's read this one together. Let's get the message and let's say this one out loud. Everybody, here we go. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. Did we have some that we missed here? It got left out. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. I love it. Get that last line. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. Amen. Now, let's jump through some principles. It looks like you've got a whole bunch of stuff and you guys are going, ain't no way he's going to get all that done today. But I just, just hide and watch. All right. Say this with me. Here we go. Next point. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. This is why it's important that you don't get body conscious over everything else. Because you, who you really are, is on the inside of this right here. This is passing away. This will not inherit the kingdom of God. This mortal must put on immortality. This corruptible, which is growing old and getting wrinkled and is turning gray. I don't care how much faith you've got. Are you with me this morning? Is in the process of passing away. The, though the outward man perish, 2 Corinthians says, the inward man is being what? Renewed day by day. So the real man, the real man, the real you, who you are, is actually on the inside of you. That's the reason when we celebrate the life of someone at a funeral and we see the body in the casket, that's just, that's just the leftovers. The spirit, the real person, the, the, the identity, the, the creation of God is now in the presence of the Lord. And that's just the earth suit that got left behind. And we're going to bury it in the hope of the resurrection of one day that God will bring that one back with him. Jesus, when he comes, will bring granny back with him. The Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints, Jude says. And we which are alive and remain will be caught up and meet the Lord together in the air and we shall be changed in a moment. The Greek word is anatomos. I don't believe moment has anything to do with time. I believe it has to do with molecular structure. All God has to do is just take his cosmic screwdriver and just tweak this thing and all of a sudden what dies all of a sudden lives forever. Everybody say anatomos. In the atoms. Because there's something on the inside of you that can't die. 
1 Peter 1, 23, being born mortal seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Incorruptible means it can't die. You were born again. Yes, you were born in this earth suit with a body that can die and is dying, but there's something on the inside of you. You, the spirit. Everybody say, I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a body. That's the reason it's so critical that we become spirit conscious before we, we become soul conscious or body conscious. We need to realize who I am is on the inside here. And who I am is more than just the thought that I just had. The struggle that I'm battling right up here in my soul. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we have thoughts that just come out of left field and then you get under condemnation because that thing gathers a cloud around you and whether it's lust... And most of my brothers have that struggle, whether it's worry. Most of our sisters have that struggle. Because let's just face it, the driving force in most men is a sexual issue. The driving force in most women is a security issue. Now, I'm just preaching real good now. Don't shout me down. People in the church who are new creations of Christ, whom God has begun a good work in, walking around, still walking in the bondage of lust, still caught up in worry and fear. Brothers struggling in lust, sisters struggling in worry. Don't shout me down. That's a little bit, a little bit quiet in here in this morning. Those things that I think are not me. It's not until I entertain them and they become a part of me and they become a stronghold on the inside of me, I have the ability to cast down every imagination and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Spirit is pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. Pneuma. P-N-E-U-M-A. A pneumatic tool is a tool that is driven by wind or air. This is identical to and corollary, correlative to the Hebrew word ruach. And if you're Hebrew, you have to get some phlegm involved. Ruach. Ruach. Ruach is, is that word for breath, wind, or spirit. When God breathed into Adam, and he, the Bible says he became a living soul, it was ruach. He breathed the breath of God into him. The New Testament equivalent, the Greek word, is pneuma. We have pneumatic tools. You go to a car shop and you get your car worked on. And, and you know what, what took me five minutes to get all the lug nuts loosened when I had a flat on the way to Nashville last trip that I made over there for a pastor's meeting. I took it on into to, uh, Franklin to get it worked on and get the tire repaired because there was a, a big nail in it. And the dude put a little tool up there and, <laughs> and had him off. I'm just going, that ain't right. <laughs> I, got, I got grease on my britches and I got sweat running down my back and I'm on the side of the road between Jackson and Nashville trying to change that thing and it... And the tire had never, those lug nuts had never been broken loose. And man, I'm out there standing up on this. <laughs> trying to break, break that thing loose. But if you've got the right tool, if you've got the pneuma, if you have a pneumatic tool, there's a power tool that is driven by the wind or the breath. Spirit. If you've got the Spirit of God on the inside of you and He's put power on the inside of you and His Spirit is inside yours, is a whole different Way to live. Soul is suke. We get our English word psyche from it, psychology. Body is the Greek word soma. Now, there aren't a whole lot of words that I can throw at you with soma. If you've, if you've, if you've, under, if you've looked and, 
and dieted and all that kind of stuff, you know that a somatotype is these three different types of bodies. An ectomorph is a little skinny person. I hate you. <laughs> a mesomorph is a more muscular person. And an endomorph, and we won't say who that is, is a little more round, you know. And so those are called somatotypes. Well, maybe this word is a little more familiar to you. Psychosomatic. You see it? A psychosomatic disease is a, is a disease that actually be begins in your mind. And because the mind and the soul is so strong, you start to actually have the manifestation uh, uh, of issues in your body, pains here and there, because it's begun, it begins in your mind. You, you really believe something is wrong when something isn't really wrong, but you believe it so strongly that your body responds because your soul has the trump card. What you believe about the situation is so much more important sometimes and more critical even than just the reality. Because what you believe is the reality. Perception is reality. See, that's the reason you've heard me say over the years, listen folks, your devil, the devil is not the problem. It's how you see the devil that's the problem. Your problem is not the problem, but it's how you see your problem that is the problem that you're facing right now. Your soul, this suke. And everything that is involved in that realm, it's so critical that we bring that in line and we get spirit, soul, and body lined up with the Word and the will of God. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? All right, next one. Salvation. Soteria. Greek word. Soteria. Everybody say soteria. comes from the root Greek word sozo, and it literally means complete deliverance. Everybody say deliverance. Deliverance means victory in every area. You, you've been completely overhauled. It's like an extreme makeover of the God kind. Soteria. It means complete, total deliverance. Now this is what I want you to see as I move quickly through this list this morning. We, we talk about the finished work of Christ and how is it that we can preach a finished work when there's still stuff that about me that I, I want you to recognize, I, I, I try to be transparent. I try to be real as a pastor because in so many places we've got churches that have been built around the cult of a personality and they put these guys up on a pedestal and they make demigods out of them. And then when it starts to crumble because you see that, hey, this dude really is human. All right? And sometimes... When the crumbling comes, the fall and the destruction is outrageous because there's been such a degree of isolation and the gap widens between the man on the pedestal and the little people in the pew. And that's the reason I want to tell you, I is a sheep before I is a shepherd. I am one of you and I am in process just like you are. Don't want anything to do with a pedestal. The only one on a pedestal is Jesus. He is the only perfect God-man alive. Now, I say that qualitatively because he is the image of what we are becoming. Finished, he is. Now, I want you to see this this morning. So how do, we, how do we reconcile a finished work and a work that is still going on? We'll just see in your notes right there, Christ's work for me is complete. Say that with me. Christ's work for me is complete. Christ's work in me is in process. Say that with me. Christ's work in me is in process. Now, if you would put up 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 for me, because this is so important. We've just defined salvation, the Greek word salvation. When we talk about being saved, it has literally, it's been truncated. That's, that's a hundred dollar 
word for meaning the guts have been cut out of it. The chest is gone. It's just been whittled down to nothing. Salvation in American Christianity is come forward, shake a pastor's hand, sign a commitment card, and buy your life insurance or your, your, your fire insurance from hell. And salvation is not just about keeping you from eternal punishment. Salvation is not just about getting you to eternal blessing in heaven. Salvation is about God doing a work on the inside of you so that the glory of the Lord will be revealed through and in you to the rest of the planet. The kingdom of God coming in your life and in mine and in the church and seeing whole cities bow the knee and proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because transformation takes place. See, my hopes for the Delta are not just to build a great church or even have revival here, but my hopes for the Delta are to see a people who are progressively more and more being fashioned into the image of the firstborn among many brethren. He was number one. He's the prototype. Guess what? Your number is in there somewhere. And God started on you, transforming you when you became in Christ. And He's still in process. Now, look with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. As we look, everybody say, salvation is progressive. When well, I pastor, I don't know if I understand what you mean by that. I don't know if I believe that. I thought it was just once and for all. The answer is yes. It is both. In other words, when you got saved, the transforming DNA of God got planted into your spirit I want you to know you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. If you died right now, you're going into the presence of God. That's done. It's once and for all, it's done. But I want you to recognize because we are three parts, we are spirit, we, we are spirit, we have soul, we live in body, that there is a process in which God is bringing all that through in time. And I want you to see because salvation means complete deliverance. Look at the place in Scripture where this word has been used. Who... Everybody read it with me. Delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Everybody say past, present, future. One more time. I want you to get it. Don't miss this. Past, present, future. Look at the language. Everybody say delivered. What tense is that? Everybody say, does deliver us. Say it. Does deliver. What tense is that? Good. You guys are great. And whom we trust that he will still. I love it. Will still deliver us. Everybody say, will still deliver us. What tense is that? Say it again one more time. Past, present, future. There is a past, present, and future aspect to our salvation. I want you to think about that. Past, present, future. Delivered, does deliver, will deliver. Has been saved, is being saved, shall be saved. Look at the next point. Say this with me. My spirit has been saved. Read it with me. My spirit has been saved. My soul is being saved. My body shall be saved. Can you see that? Has delivered, is delivering, will deliver. I want you to look in your notes. You should see 
a little asterisk. Now, I want to warn the sound guys. I'm going down here, okay? So I don't want anybody to, we don't want this to squeal. I'm going down here. And I want you to see that we have an asterisk. There's a point right here. Delivered, literally, is a snapshot in the Greek. It's something that happens one time, and it's done. It's a point in time. It's like that asterisk right there. But then is delivering is in a future perfect tense. I'm getting my soul train move on because this is the realm of the soul right here that is being saved. This is the process that I'm walking through. If you look at it in your notes, there is an asterisk, a point in time, a snapshot. Then there is this process, a line that is carrying me through. And then the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, the Scripture says, We do not know what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him what? As He is. That's when our bodies will be saved. I will look upon Him. I will be like Him. Corruptible puts on incorruptible. Mortal puts on immortality. And I receive Him and I'm like Him and I'm with Him through eternity. Are you hearing me? All right, I want you to get this one more time. Have you got it? Okay, here we go. Everybody say, delivered. That's your spirit. Here we go. Is being delivered? That's my soul. That's what I'm thinking. This is my biggest struggle right up here. I need to check up from the neck up. I've got stinking thinking going on in my mind. God's trying to get rid of. And through the process of God, are you getting anything out of this? Because I'm sure working hard this morning. I come to the end of my life. Hopefully, whenever Jesus comes, I see him and I behold him, whether that's whether that's I lay this body down and in, in the future resurrection I take it up or whether he comes in clouds of glory and I see him in a physical, but I do because I do believe in a literal, physical second coming of Jesus Christ where he will put his feet back down upon this earth and the scripture says we are kings and priests and we shall rule and reign together with him. Come on. doing real good. My spirit has been saved. My soul is being saved. My body shall be saved. Now those of you who've been in victory, you know this. Some of my old, when I say old, I don't mean old people as in age. I mean old who've been here for a while. But it's good to go back and rehearse these things and stir up your pure mind. The epistle Peter says by way of remembrance. Because I want to remind you how critical it is in this middle area of change. If I am body conscious, which we all are, we come to Christ and we are driven by affections and lusts and desires that the scripture calls evil. Every time the Apostle Paul writes a letter to one of the churches, he literally hangs us in the rafters for usually the first one or two or three chapters about how all of the things that have been done in Christ, that we've been accepted in the beloved, that we stand before the throne faultless and blameless before him. We've been accepted in the beloved. We have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And he raised us up together and we're seated with him together in heavenly places. Everybody look around and go, this doesn't look too heavenly to me. Come on, do it right now. Look at your neighbor. Doesn't look too heavenly to me. Well, we're talking about in Christ, in the spirit, in the in Christ realm. But we've still all the time got our feet firmly planted on terra firma. 
It's finished eternally. It's finished in the heavens, but yet there's a process that I'm still walking through. I preach the finished work of Christ. I preach the new creation. I, I want to say this unashamedly. I, 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 I don't know what, how you'll receive this. I do not in any kind of way mean this arrogantly, but the vast majority of preachers in this city and around the country spend more time putting sin consciousness into the people of God than they do preaching righteousness consciousness. Because you're told every Sunday, you ain't no good, you ain't no good, baby, you no good. Linda Ronstadt will tell you, I'm going to sing it again. You no good, you're just a worm, you're worthless. Well, you know what? That's who I used to be before I was born again, and now I'm in Christ. And I is a new creation. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? I'm a new creation, and it's finished. I did this a few months ago, but this is just so appropriate. It's just ringing in my spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it again right now. Because it's just, it just fits. I am covered over with the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to me. I am covered over with the precious blood of Jesus and He lives in me. What a joy it is to know my heavenly Father loves me so He gives to me Christ Jesus. And when He looks at me He sees not what I used to be but he sees Jesus. Mm, I know I might go over a little bit past 12 this morning, but I'm going to sing it anyway one more time. Oh, I am covered over with the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to me. Sing it with me now. I'm covered over with the precious blood of Jesus. I am covered over with the precious blood of Jesus, and He lives in me. What a joy it is to know. What a joy it is to know. My Heavenly Father loves me so, loves me so. He gives to me Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus. When He looks at me, when He looks at me, he sees not what I used to be, sees not what I used to be. He sees Jesus. What a joy it is to know. What a joy it is to know. My heavenly Father loves me so. He gives to me Christ Jesus. When He looks at me, when He looks at me, He sees not what I used to be, but he sees Jesus, 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 Jesus. Now, if you'll meditate that and you'll let that dawn in your spirit, you won't come 
into the holy place of prayer with a beggar's cup. But you will come boldly into the throne of grace whereby you may obtain grace and find mercy to help in time of need. You want to know why you will? Because you're a child of the king. And when he looks at you, he doesn't see what you used to be. He, he, he's not even concerned. He's not all tied up, wringing his hands, looking over the edge of his cosmic throne because of the struggle that you had this week. And yes, some of you that even missed it in here, let me tell you, he sees the struggle that you're in and he's going to interject this morning if you can just stop looking at the mess you're in and keep your focus on him who is finished. The work of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin John 16. But it's to convict you of righteousness. Let me tell you why I don't every Sunday get up here and take my Bible out in the spirit of a legalist and beat the fire out of the people. Because I truly believe for the most part that the vast majority of the people that are sitting in here have met Jesus and you've got the DNA of God moving and working on the inside of you and the work of the transformation of the Spirit of God has begun on the inside of you. And guess what my focus is? Not on the mess you used to be in, but where God is taking you, where He's going to complete His work in you. My, my job is to not take you back here and go, look at you, you nasty, low down, no good piece of whatever, fill in the blank. You, yes you, you are dying and going to hell. And let me tell you, you can get that by the boatload of churches in town. But I want to tell you something. If you will stay in this place, you will hear a word that will transform you. It will give you a confidence in the spirit that others will sometimes go, well, that's just arrogance. It's amazing to me sometimes how people want to define humility. Moses was the most humble man on the planet. And people define humility as somebody who cowers in the corner and keeps your head down. Moses wasn't afraid to walk into the courts of Pharaoh and kick them right in their gods. You'll, th you'll think about that and get that in a minute. Everything they worshipped came up out of that Nile and consumed them. God used their own gods, kicked them right in the gods. Frogs, they worshipped everything in the Nile. Boom, here it comes. Ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. Are you hearing me this morning? God wants to do the same kind of demonstration of His power in the church of Jesus Christ today. If our focus is always on how no good, how low down, how sinful we are, when Jesus has already taken care of that. He's already paid the price. He's already put something on the inside of you that's bigger than everything that you're struggling with. The problem is not the problem. The problem is what you think about the problem. That's the problem. Are you still with me this morning? Let me finish this last five minutes here. Do you love me? Have you got anything out of this? The suke is the pivotal part. Everybody say suke. It's the one in the middle. If you don't have it renewed, the Bible says, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, be not conformed to this world. That's the word fashion. That's nothing wrong with looking okay. But it's not being driven by the custom and the culture. 
Okay, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, metamorphosis, the English word we get from metamorphosis, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The mind is the critical part. Belief affects behavior. What I believe about the struggle I'm in right now is going to affect how I come out of it. Now, this is not a theologian, but the truth is still there. Truth is truth regardless. All truth is God's truth. So when I quote this guy, don't get offended. Henry Ford said, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're exactly right. Praise God for the spirit of revelation. It's dawned on about five people. Whether you believe you can or you can't, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're exactly right. What's he saying? What you believe about the situation is going to ultimately affect the outcome. Are you hearing me? This is where we need our fix. This is what's being saved. This is where I cast down imaginations and every thought, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I bring it into subjection. I make it say, Jesus is Lord. Over every worry, over every lustful thought. Now, now let me just say to you right now, most preachers, they won't even speak in those terms from the pulpit. Therefore, they've got people in their congregation that are bound up, that are, that are, that are spending their time wasting hundreds and thousands of dollars, probably some men in this room who have pornographic issues. I don't know whether I want to step into this very far or not. The sex life you want with your wife is never going to be what you want it to be when you're looking at something that's been airbrushed on a screen and is not even a real thing anyway. That's as far as I'm going there. <laughs> the suke is the pivotal component. I'm finished this morning. Last thing. Everybody say, my soul has three parts. Here we go. Let's get it. Mind, will, and emotions. Right down to the very beginning, to the end, and we're done. My mind is what I think. That's the intellectual. My will is what I want. That's the volitional. And finally, my emotions are what I feel. That's the emotional. Now, this, this is where the struggle is. Am I going to take the word that tells me that I'm the head and not the tail, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? In the midst of the struggle that I have, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. My spirit man knows that. But I'm so body conscious, conscious, and I'm focused on all of this and the appearance, and I'm doing everything to make this look good, and I'm feeding it regularly. And I'm feeding my mind what I'm thinking. I'm feeding my will. I'm going after what I want. I'm feeding my emotions. I'm feeling everything around me. And if the only time I feed my spirit man is for an hour on Sunday morning, then guess what? There's no way I can rise up and be strong in the Lord and the power of His might and put on the whole armor of God and stand up and be a warrior and a champion that God has called me to be and to be more than a conqueror. That's the identity of my spirit man. But if I don't feed that spirit man, if I don't get the Word of God, if I don't eat some bread from heaven, 
If I don't worship, if I don't spend time fellowshipping with the other believers, the brothers and sisters, if I don't get around some other folks, guess what? Birds of a feather flock together, folks. And in 10 years, you'll be the same person you are except for the books you read and the people you hang out with. Those two things have the ability to change your thinking and to change the way you live. And we need to be around others that will build us up, that will edify us, that will strengthen us, that will encourage us, that will challenge us, that will exhort us to faith in God. But no, we're so conscious about this and what we drive and where we live and how fast the boat is and all the material stuff that we fail to realize that a man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. And we can lose all that. And if we have our soul, then we've not lost anything. This is the issue. My soul, this mind, what I think, what I want, what I feel, my mind, my will, my emotions. Jesus said, unless a man lose his soul... Unless you can lay down what you think and what you want and what you feel. Oh, now the lights are going off in the room right now. Are you seeing that? When I can lay down what I think about this thing, when I can lay down what I want right now and say, God, I want your desire. I want your will. Your will is greater than mine. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. God, reveal yourself in the middle of this circumstance. Lord, let the spirit rise up. I don't want to be body conscious. I don't want to be looking out here because I don't walk by, by sight. I walk by faith. That's the eyes of the spirit man. See, that's the reason if I'm walking in the spirit... My soul is going to be the deciding factor. My body is hurting. I've got a fever. I've got aches and pains. My body is screaming at me. Then I have the ability to begin to create reality by what comes out of my mouth. As a believer, am I going to agree with the Word of God that already says, by His stripes I am healed? Are you with me this morning? Or am I going to agree with the body? Am I going to let the soul fall back and agree with the body? Oh, it just feels so bad. Oh, it's just getting worse. And you know you get around somebody else, and man, it's amazing how other folk know that song. Yeah, I'm telling you, I just I ain't slept good in three weeks. My body's been hurting. And you know this economy is so bad. That crazy president we've got. And these stupid Congress people this job and that boss and man all of it just becomes a big old gripe fest maturity is when I can harness my soul and say I'm only going to let come out of here what agrees with the word it even overrides what I'm thinking at the moment what I'm feeling at the moment and even what I'm wanting at the moment your kingdom come your will be done. Are you hearing me this morning? See, it's amazing to me how people, if they'd read their Bible, they wouldn't do half the stuff that they do. Scripture says, these folks are brazen. They don't even think anything about making railing accusations against authority. It hurts me. I, I, I don't like a lot of the stuff that Obama's doing, but I'm going to tell you, if you spend time in prayer for him, you can't pray for him one second and then out of the other side of your mouth, curse. It's so quiet in here. You know what? If you pray for me as the leader of this church, 
I'm trying, I'm seeking God. I'm having more fun right now in ministry than I've ever had in my whole life. I am seeking God more than I ever have in my whole life right now. And I'm hearing the voice of the Lord speak to me. And we've walked through a season where we've had a little bit of con- We made some change. We had some conflict. We're already starting to see the fruit. And you know what? You identify for me where your heart is when you can't harness your soul and you dare to just get your mouth in gear and just blurt off a bunch of stuff. I know some folks got on the phone and tried to do a campaign, tried to get people to leave this church because others who you called have come. God's not going to let that mess happen. You want to know why? Because His hand is on this church. The past is the past. I've forgiven. I'm moving on. But I just want to tell you, I'm not ignorant of Satan's devices. Not playing. God has delivered us right now. I just want to give some grace to the person who's struggling with this thing. Because he wants to set you free too. Am I looking at anybody? Let me tell you something. Every church... There's a couple of folks who thrive on creating drama. Do your best just to avoid the drama team. I want to say this. I didn't, this isn't my notes. I didn't even plan to go here, but I'll be the Spirit of God just dropped this right into me this morning. I am the most approachable guy. I preach strong. I'm, I'm convinced. I don't intend, I don't set out, I don't wake up in the morning and go, who can I intimidate today? Any leader has a little bit of an intimidation about them. I'm a teddy bear. I, I will listen to you. If you have an issue, my heart is for you. I, I, I want, I'm inviting everybody to go on this journey because guess what? God has taken this church into greatness. God has taken this church. He's going to do amazing things in the Delta with Victory Church. I just want to say this, and I want to say this, and I want this to be the end of this. If somebody, if somebody gets on the phone and calls you and go, you don't need to be going there. You know something? You know what you need to do? You need to say, tell you what, let's go talk to Pastor Michael. Let's go. I want to go with you because if you're not going, I'm going to call him and tell him what you said. Now, if everybody will do that, it'll stop that mess. Y'all still love me this morning? Folks, show me what your hearts are. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And this is the thing. Anytime there's an issue, you will never go wrong by going, listen. Let me tell you something. I know how he's listened to me. Why would I ever think he would do any differently with you? I know better. I know how he's responded to me when I've talked to him. Let's go make this right. Let's go figure this out. Come on, let's, let's deal with this. If there's really a problem, let's do Matthew 18. You go to the person you have a problem with. You don't get on the church grapevine and call everybody else and tell them who you're offended at. Oh, now, you know what? I'm, ooh, this is so good. This is just, everybody say, everybody say Practical Christianity 101. This is the class somehow we tried to clap out of. If you've got an issue, go to the person you have an issue with. Don't call 10 other people and tell them the issue you have about it. That's just not the way to do it. You just end up creating problems for the pastor, for the leadership team that they have to go around mopping up after you. And guess what? We're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account. And the Bible's, and I'm going to say, yeah, that's what they did. <laughs> that's it right there. 
If folks just read their Bibles, they wouldn't do half the stuff they try to pull. I, I tell you what, I'll go on and say this. Clay Hallmark, friend of mine, stood up in Marion First Baptist Church and he was disgusted. He said, if you would read your Bibles, it would cut out two-thirds of the counseling problems that I have to deal with. Oh, now, we, we didn't hire you to talk like that to us, Pastor. <laughs> Are you hearing me this morning? Every one of us still has issues. He has saved us. I am being saved. And I shall be saved. The point is, whether or not I choose to grow into maturity is what I do with my soul, what I think, how I deal with my will, what I want, and how I deal with what I feel, myself. Because unless I'm willing to lay down my suke, my soul, I can't take up his life, his zoe, his eternal life. Because God has something greater and something bigger than any of us can even begin to ask or imagine. Can I have an amen? amen. Bow your heads with me, please, this morning, for just a moment. Gracious God and Father, we thank you. Thank you for this service. Thank you for this word. Lord, we acknowledge before you right now that there's inconsistency in every one of our lives. I stand before this church and I confess right now my incompletion in my life. But Lord, I thank you that in Christ you see it's all done. And Lord, that's going to be my focus. Because you've called the work a finished work. And I thank you for every one of my brothers and sisters here this morning that when you look down upon us, you look through the robe of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You look through the shed blood of your Son. And you don't see what we used to be, but now you see Jesus. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the Word and the work of the Spirit of God that's going on in this congregation. Touch every one of us. Let forgiveness flow. Lord, like that little thing we played with when we were kids that had that black wax background and that piece of cellophane paper-like thing and we would scribble into it with a little red pen and then we'd pull it up and clear it off. God, I just thank you that you just wiped the slate clean over every one of us. The season we walk through, Lord, we don't stand around looking at each other going, seriously? Let no judgment come from any of us, from one brother to another brother, from one sister to another sister. But Lord, let us see and confess the finished work of Christ, done and completed in all of our lives. With every head still bowed, every eye still closed. Let me just say to you this morning...